Welcome to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. First Merchants Bank, helping you prosper. Put it in the upper right-hand corner, just like a postage stamp. That's a good bingo! Get ready to learn more about the Columbus Blue Jackets players and coaches, as well as find out what's going on this week in the NHL. Now let's join Bob McGilligan and Jody Shelley for the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. <laughs> Welcome to the Inside Edge and Happy Halloween. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. The music's fine, but it's enough of the that was enough a of the great old time. Oh, sorry. Thank you very much. Hey, I've got a real treat for you. No tricks, just treats on this Halloween. Jody Shelley is on assignment in New York doing some NHL Network stuff. Jean Luc Grandpierre filling in on this week's show. How are you, buddy? I am great. Great, great, great. Halloween day. Excited. Yeah? I'm about to pass some candy if I don't eat half the bucket myself. <laughs> I joke, I joke. That is, no, that is the battle. That That's is right. the battle. We were in Dallas last night, and um, I'm walking through the press box, and they had a big bag of candy sitting there. Like, what are you supposed to do? Go buy? Just go buy and not do anything? You can't stop. No, you, you can't stop. Go to the bathroom. Oh, grab a few more. And then after I got the candy, and I ate the candy, then I realized there were... Chicken fingers, and then you know it's just it's a never ending cycle. That's true. Jody always calls it the NHL, the Never Hungry League. That's right. He's pretty right. Pretty the right. Rough about life that. of being on the road. It, it is. It's it's tough. It is tough. Somebody's got to do it. Uh, <laughs> the Blue Jackets last night losing in Dallas to the Stars five to three was the final score in that game. Um, today the Blue Jackets had a hard practice after that loss. Pascal Vincent wasn't happy last night when it was over. Uh, he made that very clear. He felt that he had some passengers, and he didn't have enough people that were trying to drive the bus last night. Some were just along for the ride and uh, had another hard practice. It was very similar to the one they had after they were shut out by the Detroit Red Wings, 4 to nothing. But John Luke, uh, once again, here's Pascal, who is a first-year NHL head coach. He's preaching accountability, but he's not just talking the talk. I mean, they're they're going to do it. One way or the other, he's going to make them do it. We saw that earlier today. Uh, yes, and uh, another hard one to watch, to be honest with you. It was another perk of being just uh, you know on the sideline watching and not being on the ice as a former player. But uh, the thing with Pascal Vincent is it has nothing to do with the score, right? This game was tight yesterday. Blue Jackets had the lead for a little bit. He wants to get this thing right, and he's not thinking short-term here. He talked about, like, in four or five years, if he's still there, joking. But it's true. He wants to create a habit for these young players that is going to stick, not just for the season. He's thinking playoffs in the future and all that stuff. And the earlier you can learn it, the better this whole team is going to be about it. And there's a standard, like you said, that he's trying to establish right now. It is not easy to do, especially as a first-year coach. But I'm glad he's taking that stance because I think that's what the organization needs right now. As a former player, when you're sitting in the stands and you're watching that practice and, and you watched the game last night, you know what's, you know what's going on. And as a veteran player, you kind of know what's coming, don't you? In those situations? You kind of know what's coming. Uh, and I think the veteran players know what's coming. You know, the young guys, probably not so much because they haven't necessarily gone through that. But you really don't know how much you can push until you're pushed to that limit as a player. And that's what he's trying to establish in practice. By practicing hard, all of a sudden the games are going to become easier because you're like, now I want to play games because the games are easy. 
and the practices are hard, right? So, and the practices are going to get lighter and lighter as the schedule gets a little heavier. But right now, it's about setting that tone, that expectation for everyone, all 20 players, to be in every single night. Well, when you look at it, the Blue Jackets have lost four straight games. However, they did go to overtime in two of those four games, so they picked up points in two of them. But they, uh, but it's that whole consistency thing you're talking about. I asked Pascal yesterday during the uh, the pregame interview I did with him about playing the the schedules getting harder here, and and when I say that, I remember that the Blue Jackets did finish next to last last year, right? So if you go by that standard, every game is going to be hard. But the fact of the matter is. What you're looking at, last night you saw a Dallas team that has only one loss in regulation. Uh, you've got a Tampa Bay team coming in here in a couple of days. You know, a team that went to the Stanley Cup final three times in a row and won a couple of cups in the last few years. So uh, the the caliber of the opponent goes up. And he said that one of the good things about that was he would really be able to measure or get a better idea about some of his players. Look. You know what Johnny Gaudreau is. You know what Eric Branson is. You know what Boone Jenner is. But the Adam Fantillis, the Kent Johnsons, the Cole Sillingers, um, and, and they're not the only ones, but they're, they're, Marchenko is another guy. He's been waiting to get back into the lineup. You want to find out what do I really have with these kind of guys. In these types of games, you get the matchups that it'll tell you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of an evaluation as well for the coaching staff uh, to see where the team is as a whole, but you know where each individual player is as well. <clears throat> and it's funny that you brought the Tampa Bay Lightning. We all remember the run the Tampa Bay Lightning had that one year, and then they get eliminated in the first round by Blue Jackets. And that's one thing that Pascal Vincent is talking about, is creating the right habit to be ready for the playoffs. And John Cooper did that, which is why they won two cups you know, in three years after that. Because regular season hockey and playoff hockey are two different things. Now, you cannot play playoff hockey for 82 games. But early in the year, you want to establish that line to understand what it is really to push yourself to the max and understand what your limits are. And obviously, as a coach, he's realistic. He knows they're not going to go you know, 73-0 and 0 for the rest of the season. But it's more than the score. It's just about what he's seeing from his players. And he said it. Mistakes are going to happen. It is part of the game. But to him, it's not the mistakes. It's like just simple things like effort that he expects everybody to be all in at all times. Well, and one of the guys that uh, is kind of getting into the focus here is Johnny Gaudreau. And I had, a, I had solicited earlier today for people that wanted to ask questions of us on this show uh, tonight on X. I still want to say Twitter all the time, on X. But anyway, here, here was one question from Hungary, which is exactly what we were talking about to start this show. Uh, it says, can we have a conversation about Johnny Gaudreau's lack of production? He's on a 36-point pace this year with zero goals through nine games. Um, should guys like him, Texier, et cetera, be lowered in the lineup or scratched for poor output? Pascal Vincent was asked about Johnny Gaudreau specifically this morning or this afternoon, early this afternoon after practice, and he said that last night for the first time he really felt that Johnny was pushing it, maybe trying to do too much because, look, when you're a prolific scorer and you go seven games, eight games, nine games, and there's still a goose egg in that goal column, yeah, you, you can say whatever you want to, but, I mean, in your head you're starting to be like, come on, it's time to get a goal. Yeah, definitely. And, the, you know, I've never been a goal scorer, but I can tell you the net is getting smaller and smaller and smaller every game, and every goaltender is getting bigger and bigger, and that's how it is with confidence. Uh, you know, we... 
as human being, we, we're creature of habit. And for Johnny, it's the same thing. He's been used to scoring 40 goals, 20 some goals every year. And now there he is nine games in without a goal. It becomes frustrating and off. Of course, you're going to start to press. It's a net, you know, every single human is going to do it. So I'm not quite worried yet about Johnny Goodrow's offensive output. I think is going to come. Now, if we see him starting to, you know, swear away from his game that's when the real trouble really starts but for Goudreau right now I think he's just got to keep going and something else that that is not part of his game but most of his goals are from close range and you need traffic because Johnny Goudreau does not have a release like Patrick Line or a certain NHL player he doesn't have the strongest shot he's just very precise about it but those goaltenders are so good now you need traffic at the net all the time which Maybe one of the reasons why Voronkov was on his line in the third period, because you talk about a big man that can take the goalie's eyes. It is definitely Dmitry Voronkov. Yeah, he can take away his eyes and his head and his arms and his legs. And, <laughs> like, and, and it creates room for Johnny, exactly. Right. Because yeah. you put Voronkov in front of the net, all of a sudden there's one, maybe two guys on him. Now that upper slot area is a little more open, a little more open for Johnny. Hey, here's a question from Will. It says, obviously the Blue Jackets have lost four in a row, but three of those four games, they outshot their opponents and they kept the games close and they faced a 939 save percentage from opposing goalies. What is Pascal Vincent saying to the players so that they don't get discouraged? I think he is, you know, his message has been dead on. I, he, he's making sure they're not getting discouraged, but look, it's human nature, right? You're out shooting your opponent every day and you're losing those games, it does get frustrating. It does. And uh, the 939 save percentage is a little concerning as a coach. And he did mention after the New York uh, Islanders game that he did not like the shot selection, which means we said, we just said it. If the goalies can see it, they got to make the save now. So that means more traffic to the net. So you get more second chance opportunities and more traffic deflection, et cetera. So I think that's the thing that wants to change, that needs to change with the Blue Jackets. But yeah, 940 save percentage against is really high. And it's, we know it's not from a lack of talent. So at some point, you got to make some adjustment, which he's working on and it will unlock. Yeah. And it's, again, I think it just all kind of goes back to what you were talking about with Johnny. I mean, it's, uh, once it starts to work, it just starts to work. It, it really does. And, Again, never been a goal scorer, so I can't tell you what the feeling is, but it, it is just something that these guys, you know, they kind of like anything in life. If you can ride a bike, right, when you first learn how to ride a bike versus 10 years later, imagine if you get on your bike tomorrow morning and you, you realize you can't ride anymore. You're going to start try to force things and change things like I've, I've done it all my whole life. How is this not working right now? Trying new things, but at the end of the day, all you have to do is pedal, right? Yeah. Pedal. <laughs> right. Pedal and don't fall over. It's really simple when you break it down. Well, we're talking all about these goaltenders and how good the goaltending is around the league. And coming up next, we're going to have a goaltender on our show. That that was a prerequisite. Uh, Jean-Luc said, look, if I'm going to co-host, we've got to have a goaltender on the show because i got to pick up every tip that I can get so that when I go to play adult league again, I, I'm going to have a new trick up my sleeve. So Spencer Martin is going to join us, and we'll see what we can find out to, to try to help your game. Yeah, I, I'm really curious. Listen, this is a guy that uh, most Blue Jackets fans are not too familiar with, so I'm looking forward to talk to him. All right, Spencer Martin is going to be with us as the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank, continues right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Big Voice Guy here to remind you that you're listening to The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Okay, thanks. I have three more seconds. Uh, bu- 
back to the Inside Edge. It's presented by First Merchants Bank. I'm Bob McGillick and John LeGrand-Pierre sitting in for Jody Shelley here tonight. And we are pleased to be joined by Blue Jackets goaltender Spencer Martin right now. And Spencer, you've only been here for a couple of weeks. And we'll talk about your career and, and where you've been. But you were in Vancouver. You got picked up on waivers during the uh, the preseason. Are you finally settled in to Columbus? Have, have you been able to get your life off the ice in order? Because that's what... Nobody seems to care about on the outside. They just want you to stop pucks, right? The fans are like, hey, just stop the puck. Don't worry about it. you need a place to live and how you're going to get here and there. But have you become acclimated now? Yeah, I think uh, like right away. It was uh, the, the organization did a great job, but also just like my teammates made me feel at home when I got here. Um, and then my family's only five and a half hours roughly away, so uh feels close to home, and uh, we're starting to settle down. Although we've been so busy that I haven't really got to check out much around the town, but feels good. But, uh, you know, that's a great question because typically you get traded and you know how to get to the practice rink, uh, the game rink, which, you know, here both are in the same place and in the airport. That's about all I knew when I got traded in the past, to be honest with you, but... As far as Columbus itself, what have you been able to look at and see or places that you enjoy so far? I've been out to uh, German Village, okay. a couple spots there, uh, Short North. I don't want to mess anything up. No, man. you're good. Uh, you're two for two right now. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, yeah, so basically, like you said, the Arena Eastern District. Yet? Eastern? Have you been there yet? No. No? And I went out to Golden Eagle, or uh, Double Eagle, yep. for, uh, for the golf event, so uh, some great spots already, but... Everybody, you know, they, they have a lot of uh, spots for me to check out. I just haven't been able to get to yet. Yeah, so that's what I found when I moved here. It's been a long time ago now. But I got here, and, like, when we were looking for a house, it was everybody in this office was like, oh, you need to live in, in the suburb I live in. Or, oh, you should live in our neighborhood. And I remember saying to my wife, I've never gone somewhere where people are, like, you know, competing as far as we've got the best, uh, this is the greatest area and stuff like that. And that's just the way the people here are. And I, I'm, I imagine you're already getting that vibe. Yeah. Uh, the guys are spread out, too. There's some guys downtown. There's some guys out in New Albany. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're all having their, uh, doing their campaigning. But for now, like, I'm, I've just been super focused on day-to-day. So you said I've only been here for a few weeks, but it feels like I've been here for a while because, uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying my time. Well, the good thing is not, you're not just here. You're getting into games, you're playing, and you're getting some meaningful minutes uh, as soon as you come over. And I would imagine you appreciate that because when you go to a new organization, um, you just there's always a question of how they're going to use me, what's going to happen here. And, and you've, like I said, you've already gotten to some games and some big games early on. Yeah, the opportunity's been there, and like they've shown trust to, to give me those opportunities. And uh, yeah, you just want to you know make the most of them and, and, and earn more. Um, yeah. Well, as we're talking about opportunities, your first real break. So you're drafting the third round, and then it took a while for you to really get consistent NHL play. Your first real break, twenty one, twenty two. You know, one of the few beneficiary of COVID was you know Spencer because. Both goaltender Damco and Halak, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, get COVID. You get called up. You play six games. You go three zero and three, one seventy four. You know, say, uh, uh, goals against average and a nine fifty save percentage. That was your first real break. Do you feel like you're getting an opportunity here that you really want to seize and establish yourself for a long term with the Blue Jackets? Yeah, I think as a goaltender, like you, pretty much have to start on the right foot to, to stick, you know what I mean? So, like, obviously there's that pressure there to, to have that type of impact right away. Um, but, like, yeah, like you said, I got that little break there that 
you know you basically need in this league it's that tough to break in so um you know right now uh there's an opportunity to get some some playing time so far and uh you know i've been somewhat satisfied with how i've performed but at the same time i really want to start converting some wins and like um you know my teammates are just it's a hard-working group and it's a focused coaching staff and everybody really really is establishing our, our, our culture here so uh you know i want to be right a you know, a part of that. That's all. Is there he, something? You know that he knows those numbers. Like he didn't look that up. He just knows all of that. <laughs> well, maybe we should, we should. He doesn't know me much. So, career defense. I, I was trying to build you up there. Yeah, so I was born as a goaltender in my mind. So I always want to be a goalie. But then we'll get to that a little bit later. But my parents didn't want me to be a goalie. They want me to move around a little bit more. So. After retiring, I got goalie gear, and I'm, I'm the goalie guru around here now. So wow. I really, backwards really enjoy <laughs> goaltending. Depends so how you look at it. That's right. Think of all the money his parents saved on buying that gear. I was like, my son was a goalie. I know. I, he did it the right way. Actually, you know what? Let's just jump right here. So what made you want to be a goaltender? Like, what really, like, as a kid, you know, you're skating around yeah. the pond, and then you're like, am I sick of skating? What made you want to be a goalie? I think it was two things. Most importantly, I was kind of the youngest on my street for road hockey purposes, so that means you're kind of stuck in that. But I also just loved it, and I loved. Uh, I was a you know Leafs fan growing up in uh, in Burlington, and uh, Curtis Joseph was kind of the guy I looked up to, and uh, I was mimicking him in front of the TV with the mini signet. So that's where I started, and yeah, I, I never played out, so I don't know anything out. different. So how do you play the puck so well? <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Everybody's got to turn kidding. it over once in a while. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't, no, no. don't blame yourself. Um, well, I just think it's confidence and also just uh, getting communicating with your teammates, like feeling comfortable and, and uh, building that relationship and confidence. That's what makes it feel seamless. Um, you know, and just I, I'm a, a hockey geek, so I watch games. I mean, you're going to see what's open and what's not here and there night after night. And so. Uh, I don't know if it's like more skill. It's less skills and just more just like studying and trying to, to figure out like what kind of four checks are coming. So, and it, and it, it, you could be such a weapon in that, right? I mean, when you do it right, um, you, you could be that third defenseman. You can help. It. Pascal's always talking about the the transition game and breaking out. And when you're doing it right, you could be a big part of that. Yeah, I mean, I think like even for defensemen, they're trying to keep it simple and make it. You know this first easy pass and get it going and I'm even the more exaggerated version of that I want to just literally you know do the least I can do to just you know be almost invisible back there making plays but yeah like if I can stop it and make a simple play that's that's what I'm looking to do you talked about Cujo uh Toronto Maple Leaf Curtis Joseph that is uh and I remember he was probably the one goaltender that could read players more than anybody else uh, out there as a goaltender today's in today's NHL, although you know tendencies, you say you're a hockey geek, do you watch video to see like what tendencies each player has, or is that something that it's more like react to whatever comes your way? Yeah, I think you can get caught up a little bit in uh, you know, over like reading into tendencies and like you you can definitely look at power plays and I think like you know, you see what worked a few nights before. The chances are they're going to go back to it again. Right. Or like, you know, like last game we played Bo uh, Horvat, and like I'd seen him last year, obviously in Vancouver, that shot where you know the half wall into the middle pocket. That's a shot that's going to come at least once a game. But uh, yeah, like I still want to be reactive. I don't want to be almost guessing or anticipating something and end up screwing myself up. 
We're talking with Blue Jackets goaltender Spencer Martin. We'll have more with him in just a moment. But first, I want to remind you, Thursday night, the Blue Jackets will take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. The puck will drop at 7 o'clock. It is Science of Hockey Night, presented by COSI. Get your tickets by going to bluejackets.com slash on sale. This is the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank, here on 97.1 The Fan. Ever have one of those creepy neighbors who's always getting in your business? That's the team up north. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. Welcome back to the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank. I want to remind you, Blue Jackets ticket plans start as low as eight games with savings of up to 40%. You choose the games that you want for the matchups that you have to see. To learn more, go to bluejackets.com slash ticket plans. We are joined tonight by Blue Jackets goaltender Spencer Martin. John Luke said earlier you were a third-round pick, and it's kind of funny. Like, when you look at position players and the guys get picked in the third round, you figure, well, there's a pretty good chance this guy's going to play in the NHL someday. You know, for how long, that's up to him. But, you know, that's a pretty high draft pick. Goalies are different because... There's only two of you on every team, right? So there, there is that battle. You first, you got to get drafted. Then you, you got to get in, and then you got to get the opportunity, like you were talking about. Um, what is that that mindset and that battle like? I mean, you you, you do so well a junior, and then you get drafted, and, and then you get into that program pro game, and then it's really the fight, and it's just not on the ice. It's a mental battle off the ice too. Yeah, it, it's very difficult. Obviously, you have to be kind of blessed just to get an opportunity. So that's kind of how I feel and like I think for goalies they kind of have to do the work when you're not getting the opportunities so that when they come you're 100% confident and ready and so I feel like in those COVID years kind of the years after I left Colorado with Tampa Bay I put in a lot of work on trying to improve my game when even when we we weren't even in season we were just kind of like locked down I had to get I had to be a better athlete and uh, I had to put in some work that kind of I think showed a couple years later so I'm I'm thinking about that now, you know, putting in work for whenever an opportunity comes, to, uh, you know, for for bigger chances. So, um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely a mental like toughness. You just got to keep building that mental callus and just you know stay solid in your work ethic. Another thing you just talked about there, you were with the Tampa Bay organization for a bit. When you go into a place like that. Andre Vasilevsky, there's a pretty good chance he's going to start the bulk of the games, right? Um, and, and so as you're trying to make a name for yourself and, and looking for that opportunity, I mean, sometimes you're going to get into a spot like that, right, where you're going to be behind a guy that you're like, look, unless something drastic happens, this guy's not moving out of this position. Yeah, but, you know, like there's opportunity. Like I, with the goalies that I've worked with in both like directly in the minors, I've worked with uh, Wedgwood, Huso. Um, I've worked with Bennington in the summer a ton and just like grabbing from those guys or like a guy like Vassy, obviously I didn't play a game in Tampa, but I was able to see him in practice uh, being on the taxi squad and just seeing some things I'm not going to be able to emulate perfectly, but there's things to grab each, you know, step of the way from guys. And, uh, you know, now I'm working with Elvis and, and, uh, even Jack Greaves in camp, like there was a lot of things to, to learn from and, and try to take something if you can yeah and that uh, the tampa stuff that was during covid right so that was getting on that taxi squad to, when we were all getting back to play in august for the playoffs so that was a that had to be a, a great experience for you there just because of the whole mindset of everybody's coming back and now guess what you're coming back and we're going to play playoffs right now yeah yeah that i mean uh i mean what we're building here as far as culture like you get to see it um 
that was basically the golden standard of of what I got to experience from right up close watching uh, you know how they went about their business every day. So uh, that was really special. Got a couple questions for you here, twofold. So the first one, we you talk about getting better and you know in the offseason, etc. What do you do, especially for your mental game? Because uh, I love golf, I love goaltending, and I feel like there's a direct correlation between the two because. You know, I have a bad hole, bad first hole, and my game is going down. How do you, like example, yesterday in the game, first shot the game goes in, how do you recover from that mentally? Or what do you do in the offseason? Do you have a mental coach? Like, what are the steps? Yeah, I mean, it's funny you brought that up. Like, golf, I feel like I just got into golf during COVID, and I feel like it is the best direct correlation to, like, that consistent focus over like a, hours of time because the game you know it's 60 minutes but it's really like it's a few hours of focus it's before the game and it's really you have to stay really even keel because like you make a great save goaltending is all about like eliminating your mistakes just kind of like golf so um yeah along the way i've learned just to try and stay as even keel as possible even though you know i love this game and it's fun to get up and down and uh, excited when it's going well but um i think that that's something that I learned in Vancouver, like, it was my first experience being in the NHL. It's a big market. It was very exciting when I would have up moments. But I think that, uh, you know, coming in here, I, I'm focusing on uh, trying to stay level and, uh, you know, just just working on the process, 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 and basically just keep telling myself that because, uh, you know, I want to stay consistent. How long does it take to get to that level? So I assume you're playing junior hockey in uh, the OHL, right? And you're the starting goalie for, like, let's say three straight years. Then you turn pro, probably to start in the minors, and then you get the AHL, you're a backup. And you see, you know, the number one goaltender is getting six games and you're getting one. How easy is it to get caught up trying to do too much because you want to show everyone that you're worth it? Yeah, it's tough, man. It's a grind. Like, uh, yeah, you step in at 20 years old. Some guys are able to get it right away. I don't think I'm, I was one of those. Like, I, I think my, I, have a lot of confidence in my ability but I feel like now that I'm at this point in my career I've had doing a better job of you know being ready when called upon whether it's you know, a few hours before the game or whether it's like a plan started a week ahead you know whatever the situation is like being ready for that timing is is very important and it's uh it's a it's learned skill for me it didn't come naturally uh early in my pro career I, I think it's the toughest job in sports to be a backup goaltender for several reasons. I mean, number one, guy gets hurt in the middle of the game. You've got to go in, like right now. And I know you came into the game where you were you had a luxury. You got notified during the intermission so you could get yourself ready and, and stretch a little bit. But if a guy gets hurt, you've got to go in right away. It's not like a pitcher that goes down to the bullpen and gets warmed up and then he's ready to go. You got to jump right in there. The other thing is too, uh, like what John Luke was just saying here. If you're in some teams, when you know you're only going to play X amount of games, but yet, like you're expected to win every one of those games, right? It's like when the starter has a day off. Hey, we still need wins, so it's um, you know I, I don't know if you put your, the pressure on yourself that you have to be perfect, but that's like that whole mindset from the outside. Everybody just you know it's like uh, hey, you're going to play 16 games. My goodness, you better go 14 and two. I mean, yeah, like, I think one really important thing for me is that, like, building trust with your teammates through your practices and your work ethic and your in the gym, like, whatever it is, like, you can feel the vibe when your team trusts you 
and you go in there and it's like exciting to see this guy because he's been put, putting in the work, you know? So you can feel the difference whether they believe in you or not, you know? So these guys, I feel like right away, like they set up a situation and an environment for me to, to feel that way. So I felt that way in my, you know, my first few starts. But also like getting back to your like win every game, if I'm like prepared to fail, like I'm mentally prepared to fail or succeed, I'm just going to do, you know, my job as best as I can and then just it is what it is. And that's awesome. I got to ask you too about the last start that you made against the Islanders. Low scoring game. And you're playing very well. And you look down at the other end, and there's Simeon Varlamov, and this guy's stopping everything. It's one of those nights where, you know, kind of early on, you get the indication. Mm-hmm. The first couple saves he makes, you're like, oh, boy, this is, uh, you know, this is going to be tough to get a goal. What, what's the mindset from a goaltender? Because is there like a game within a game? I know you're trying to stop every single shot, but now you see that other guy's down there that, do you do you ever have to like? Hey, I got to ramp this up. I got to be even better because he's matching me safe for safe. Yeah, I mean, I think there's all kinds of things you can get caught up in, like in a negative way, in that way, like oh, my team's scoring a bunch of goals and I'm letting in a bunch of goals. Like this sucks, or uh, or the other way around where like I'm doing great and you know we haven't scored here. Like you can take that for negative or positive, but. Uh, right now, Nick Backstrom's really done a good job in having me focus on one puck at a time. And then the buzzer goes, and it's like it's unbelievable how I feel right now. At the end of period, sometimes I'm like, wow, that kind of flew by because I'm literally just focusing on one sequence at a time. And uh, But, yeah, I know coming into playing the Islanders, you get Sorokin or Varlamov, you're expecting that type of goaltending. <laughs> you know, you mentioned Nick Backstrom, your goaltending coach here, and I wanted to ask you, you come from Vancouver. Ian Clark is there. We had him here for a number of years, so we know him. Uh, from the outside, Ian Clark and Nicholas Backstrom seem to be very different people. Like uh, Clark is a little more vocal than Nick is <laughs> around <laughs> us, anyway, a little bit. So, uh, but but what is it? What is it like? What is the from the coaching standpoint? Um, you know, are there a lot of things that are the same there? Actually, there's a lot different. There is definitely there's definitely a huge difference, but at the same time, like Clarky was perfect for me at the time that I came to Vancouver. He set a very rigid structure to my game that I think I needed, and a compete level and like just intensity. And uh, Nick holds me to that standard as well, but also is helping me release like a confident. Um, calmness to my game i feel and uh, so hopefully i can continue that with him yeah that's awesome so two things that i you know as we're wrapping this up two things that i noticed personally you know from playing a beer league let's call it beer league (laughs) adult league because there are some ladies that play as well so it's not man's league uh i can't wait to hear what this question is based on the way you've set this up okay So first of all, goaltending is the one position that millions of people, whoever's watching the game, knows that you made a mistake because there's a red light that lights up behind you. So that was the biggest, like, I was like, I never noticed that because forwards and defensemen make mistakes all the time. But the battle thing that he was talking about, in men's league anyway, we love to talk to each other while the guys go to the bench in between periods to say, hey, you busy? Oh, yeah, your crease has no snow, etc. Do you ever talk to other goaltenders in the TV breaks or anything like that? Or is that something that you're like, you're so focused on your game that that is it? Yeah, well, me and Elvis, it depends on the relationship you have with your goalie partner, I think, right? Or are you talking about with the opposing goalie? Opposing goalie, yeah, the we don't have a backup. <laughs> the opposing goalie, I'll stay away from. I'm not, trying, I'm not from trying to get, like, he's so far away. From, like, we don't really, yep. like, we're, it's not like we're going toe-to-toe. Right. Um... 
so I stay. So away it doesn't from that. feel but, like but, a real. But band. as far as like Elvis, just yeah. he's been unbelievable. Like coming to the bench and just uh, our relationship right away, and how he's, you know, we feed off each other's energy and stuff. Um, that's been that's been really cool for me. As you brought that up, actually, one more question. Excuse me. So Elvis, like game or he's a net you're watching. Do you pick up some tendencies that you'll share with him and vice versa or whoever your goaltending partner is? For sure. I think it happens even more naturally than you think. Like, I don't think I'm going over and it's, it's, it's less asking questions and telling things. It's, it's more just like, you know, he's playing in the same system that we, that I play. And when I get in the game, so I can see what kind of looks that he's, he's getting. So I can, I can take from that. Awesome. Well, Spencer, thank you very much for taking time for us today. It's uh, it's great to get some insight from you. It's great to get you know you to, to get to know you. I'm glad that the fans can hear a little bit more about you, and uh, we're glad to have you here. And best of luck to you if you uh, you getting to start this week. You don't know yet, right? We're not going. I think we're uh, all game time decisions here, aren't we? <laughs> all game time. I like that. Time. That's the way we are too, right, John Luke? We're all you know game it. time decisions. I'm just waiting for a text. No, no, no call today, Spencer. Thank you very much. Good luck to you. Okay, thank you guys. That is Spencer Martin, Blue Jackets goaltender. Stay tuned. We'll continue with the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank after this on 97.1 The Fan. Wake up with the fan. Eat lunch with the fan. Go to bed with the fan. Dream about the fan. Then change your sheets. Gross. Ew, you guys are gross, but stick around in case I don't find anyone else. The fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank here on Halloween. It is scary. Jean-Luc Grandpierre and I are with you. Jean-Luc filling in for Jody Shelley, who's at the NHL Network. And I mean, would you choose to go to New York on your day off? And Yeah, I guess you would. <laughs> and you're getting paid for it. Yeah, can't blame him. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, Spencer Martin, you know, you had said earlier in the show you can't wait to hear what he has to say, get a chance to figure out uh, who he is as a person. And he gave us a great insight to, to him personally and to him as a goaltender. And it, it just sounds like boy, his mind is in the right place. Absolutely. And, you know, we talked a lot about the mental part of games because – to me, that's the most interesting thing uh, with, with especially backup goaltenders is that you never know when your name's going to be called upon. And, you know, we didn't ask him that, but a lot of time you get, I don't want to say the worst game, but there's a back-to-back and typically you get the second game and you know that your team is tired. And that's why I ask about, is it hard not to try to do too much? And as a goaltender, you know that you want to eliminate the mistakes. So if you try to do too much, that's when you're flipping and flopping all over the crease. So it was a very interesting uh, conversation with him. And what a fantastic young man he is. Yeah, he actually got lucky in the back-to-back, if you will. Because remember, Elvis had been sick and he wasn't fully ready to go when the Blue Jackets had that uh, Friday night home game and then the Saturday game in Minnesota the next day. So actually, he got the front end of that, which... Never happens for never the backup happens. guy. <laughs> yeah, never happens for, for the backup guy. And then uh, I believe uh, it was the backup for – no, actually it was Markstrom that played that game, right? Yep. It was Markstrom, yep. yeah, because the backup played the first game for – That's right. Vladar played in Buffalo. So it was, uh, you know, he's faced Sorokin so far. No, Varlamov. Mm-hmm. And then he faced uh, Markstrom. So a lot of uh, really good goaltenders. Uh, but – you know what? For him, unfortunately, no goal support. In two of his three starts, the Blue Jackets did not score a goal. So we should have asked him about that. You know, how hard is it when your team is not scoring in front of you? Yeah, I have a uh, I have a question here, and I'm I'm interested in your answer to this. And I need a little little effect here first. This will do. Nicholas Vanell sent me this question on X. What was your favorite Halloween costume 
as a kid? Well, Nicholas, I'm just thinking about it right now, and only one can come to mind right now was Ghostbusters. Oh, I just aged myself. <laughs> Me and my cousin were the Ghostbuster guys uh, one year, and I had the tank on my back with everything, and uh, yeah, that was definitely the one and only I can remember, so probably my best one. The one that I was most excited about as a kid was Darth Vader one year. And it, like, this is back when I remember the. Um, the costumes with the plastic masks. Yes. The ones that you would put on and they would like just cut the inside of your eye right in the corner. And that that long ago, it wasn't like a cool Darth Vader. Like this is like I was a kid and I was just ecstatic and my grandmother bought me the costume I wanted because, you know, I you know, I, I was used to be spoiled a little bit there. And so I was at her place and I wanted that and, and I got it. That that was the costume I was the most excited about wearing. I probably still have scars here right on the corner of my probably. eye. From <laughs> Today, that'd be a lawsuit. I know, right? I know. <laughs> Couldn't breathe in those things for crying out loud. Choking you're walking down the street, you're trying to you're trying to breathe and get candy and see. And they were dangerous as all could be. So, uh, so Nicholas, that's our answer for um, favorite Halloween costumes. Nicholas also wants to know, why are sophomore slumps a thing in hockey? Uh, Cole went through it last year. It, it looks like uh, according to him, that Kent Johnson and Kirill Marchenko are maybe going through one too. It's only nine games. I, I, I'm not going to saddle that on them right now. But it, it's not just hockey. I mean, this is something that is talked about in all of sports that second year, especially when you've had very good success in year one. Yeah, absolutely. And I cannot think of a real reason for it. All I know is like when you first enter into a new league, whether it's Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA, there's an there's a transition period where you have to get used to the game, etc. And then typically you start slow, finish hot, then the next season starts again, and then you're like, you remember what you need to do, but if it's not going your way, now you're starting to squeeze your stick a little bit, like Johnny Goudreau is right now, and it's not a sophomore slump, but if it was a second-year player, people would be talking about it. So it happens to more players than you think. It just happened that sometime on the second year, there's more emphasis on it because everybody knows about that situation that is called the sophomore slump. That's all I have. Well, that's good. I like it. You sold me on it, so I believe you. All right, here's a a question from Cooper, and Cooper says, Is Jack Roslovic's newfound success because of his increase in meaningful minutes or because he's playing with better players? I, I, In some ways, I would say both, but the minutes, he's getting the minutes because of the way he's playing. Yeah, and there I'm giving a lot of credit to to, uh, Jack Roslovic directly because... And that's something I want to ask Pascal Vincent is I wonder if him playing with Sean Corrali for like two or three games and seeing how simple Sean Corrali plays the game helped him because now he's on the wing, doesn't have the puck on his stick as often, especially in the defensive zone. But even when he has it now, he seems to do the simple right decision. Instead of risking that back end through the middle, he'll put it on the board playing more simple, and in the offensive zone, the talent is there. That's when I want you to take chances. But inside the blue line, offensively and defensively, he doesn't make those mistakes anymore. So to me, right now, it's almost like a crash course in how to play the game simple, and him playing with Corrali for those three, four games, I think really helped him. I always say that if you need somebody to get their game worked out, put them with Sean Corrali because it just happens. Right, right, right. It's that, And it's what you're talking about. It's that simplicity and just... 
it's kind of a reminder, right? Yeah, a reminder that you don't need to be a hero every time the puck is on your stick. All right, uh, before we close out the show, uh, we usually talk about things going on in the NHL in this segment, and there is, there's something going on in hockey right now. Adam Johnson, who's a former NHL player, uh, played in Pittsburgh. He he died this week playing in a game over in England. He got cut with a skate blade and uh, passed away. There is a lot of emphasis now being put on safety precautions and more protective gear and more specifically neck guards. Young players all wear neck guards. You get to a certain age, everybody wants to ditch the neck guard, right? Um, this is a reminder, and it's a very unfortunate reminder, that even though these accidents hardly ever happen, they still do happen. And this time, this time it was fatal. So that's why it's grabbing a lot of attention. Uh, the NHL, let's talk to the Players Association. What do you think? Should neck guards become something that is standard in the league? I think it will be. Uh, it's just a matter of time. And you can go back in history and when nobody wore helmets, and then now everybody has a helmet, then they have a visor. Who would have thought that every single NHL player would have a visor and be, you know, would have to wear it? The netting around the, the, the ice rink, right? It, the incident in Columbus happens, and then now it's around the league. We don't even think about it anymore. You know, we're going to leave here, the studio, we're going to get in our car, put our seatbelt on. You know, 20 years ago, it was not the way. So just like those, I think it's unfortunate that we have to wait for an accident to happen. And although it's extremely rare, it's a simple fix. So I believe in due t- time, it's going to happen. It's going to be grandfathered in. So, you know, Sidney Crosby and all the players on the Blue Jackets will have the option to wear it now. But the new players eventually will have to wear it. It will be mandatory. Absolutely. And that is the point. The safety factor. And that's why I agree with you. I think we're going to see it. John Luke, thank you so much for sitting in tonight. Really appreciate it. So uh, hurry up, get back home, and give out whatever candy's left. Don't eat it all. Well, I will not, but thanks for having me, and do the same. All right. That sounds good. That is Jean-Luc Grandpierre. We'd also like to thank uh, Spencer Martin for joining us on tonight's show. That's going to do it for the Inside Edge. Oh, by the way, we did go a day early on this week's show because the Columbus crew has a playoff game tomorrow night. So we want to wish uh, good luck to the crew in the playoff game. The Blue Jackets are back on home ice on Thursday night, 7 o'clock. The Tampa Bay Lightning is in town. You can get your tickets by going to bluejackets.com. For Jean-Luc Grandpierre, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long and thanks for listening to the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants bank here on 97.1 the fan the fan guest hotline is sponsored by airflow heating and cooling and bryant doing whatever it takes to keep you and your home comfortable the fan broadcasting from the Lindsay honda studios honda makes the cars Lindsay makes the difference visit lindsayhonda.com wbnsfm hd1 columbus 